you should try organic. What about becoming vegan? Don't eat any carbs. How about low carb? Paleo, keto, don't eat anything white. Don't forget about the dirty dozen. You eat too little. You eat too much. Don't forget to fast before you work out. I do intermittent fasting. Don't eat after six o'clock. Oh my God, sugar? Every day, I'm inundated with opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. Please, don't be foodish. Join me, Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kinder Nutrition and Wellness and Dietitian for 20 years, as I talk evidence-based nutrition to get the disorder out of eating. I can't wait to serve you. Welcome back. This is Amy Goldsmith, host of Don't Be Foodish. Today, we are going to talk about part two of our parent series, which really focuses on the Maudsley method. Make sure that you have a notebook and a pen so that you can take notes and start the process of fueling your child towards remission. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Don't Be Foodish. This is Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kindred Nutrition and Wellness and Kindred Kinetics. Today, we are going to start with part two of our parent series. I hope that you enjoyed the first series and that you were able to take a look at some of the things we talked about at the end. So most who followed along with the first part um, may have been able to identify or have some thoughts on where the etiology of the eating disorder is, um, may have been able to identify their parent style and then potentially move towards that dolphin style as we um, move through eating disorder treatment. And then this is usually the part in our um, support group where we have lots of interesting discussions because parents have gotten involved and have recognized patterns in social media. So I also am hoping that you are able to purchase or even borrow from the library, uh, the book Skills-Based Caring for a Loved One with an Eating Disorder or the New Maudsley Method. Um, it's a book that I definitely recommend um, for treatment. So today we're gonna talk about lots of things, but I wanted to start because lots of times I do get questions from parents at the second meeting where they say, um, how did this go? Um, how did this get so bad? We noticed that there was something going on and it was missed, or they were told their BMI was normal, or it wasn't screened at their pediatrician's office, um, or their coach didn't notice it. And, you know, I just want to kind of put some things um, out there. I think, um, the United States as a whole doesn't really have consistent protocols or um, screens for eating disorders. And so um, it's just why it's important to really kind of get involved with a specialist, especially um, even prior to a diagnosis. If you do feel that there is something going on, it is worth it to work with that specialist so that they can um, get the right team involved. And I would say early intervention is absolutely key. And I want to go over some um, significant effects of starvation so we can talk through these because sometimes um, depending on 
um, the individual, they'll feel like, well, the weight was okay, the BMI is okay, they don't look sick. Um, so I just wanted to talk about some things to, to really kind of think about and process. So when somebody is restricting significantly or over-exercising or their body feels like it's not getting nutrients, there are some things that um, take a toll on the body. So for example, attitudes and behavior towards food can change. And something to really think about is that you may notice food preoccupation, um, collection of recipes, cookbooks, or menus, unusual eating habits. So all of a sudden, um, you know, really interested in, um, you know, some of those fad foods like chia seeds or superfoods or, and again, I'm not saying that they're bad foods, but certain foods that may not seem uh, like they would be of normal interest uh, for the young adult. Increased consumption of coffee, tea, or spices, gum chewing, or what you may assess as binge eating. So, you know, noticing that late in the evening or after dinner, there's a larger consumption of um, food in a short period of time. You may also notice emotional and social changes. So um, increased sadness, more anxiety, um, an increase in irritability or anger, um, personality changes on psychological tests, um, decreased self-esteem and social withdrawal. So really that isolation, purposefully um, isolating yourself from peers. There's also cognitive changes. So decreased concentration, uh, poor judgment, and then many, many physical changes. So sleep disturbances, either more difficulty going to sleep, um, noticing that someone is up often and not able to stay asleep or even more tired in the morning because they're not getting sleep. Um, weakness, GI disturbances. So noticing that someone is, you know, has increased diarrhea or is constipated. Um, hypothermia or always feeling cold. Lots of parents will say to me, oh my goodness, I noticed that our heat was always being turned up and adults will also say the same thing. Abnormal prickly sensations in hands or feet, dry skin or hair loss. And so I just wanna mention uh, these, these signs and symptoms because um, it's not always black and white and you always you can't always determine eating disorder based off of weight or a BMI chart or even labs. So once we determine that there are disordered thoughts about food or there is a diagnosed eating disorder, or even if you're starting to notice that there's changes in intake that you're worried about, one of the things that we recommend here at Kinder Nutrition and Wellness is um, mimicking what we call a Maudsley method. And the ideology of this method is that parents are active participants in the outpatient treatment where they focus on three parts. First is weight restoration. Second is turning control back over to the child. And then third is assisting with establishing a healthy identity. And I just want to be really frank here. It's a very laborious um, and emotionally challenging um, 
you know, one of the ways that I kind of describe this is if you do have a child who is, you know, in middle school or beyond, you know, oftentimes as parents, we feel a little bit relieved because they are a little bit more independent and can do things for themselves. Um, you know, mimicking this Maudsley method really is um, kind of going backwards um, from the independence zone. So you're, you're really going to put yourself back in that place where you were when they were a toddler or elementary school. Um, you know, something to think about is that this is really short term, uh, but it's one of the, the proven methods to kind of move your child out of the danger zone and towards remission and recovery. So when we talk about weight restoration, you will get guidance from your dietitian um, regarding what your particular um, son or daughter needs, and the parents will be responsible for the re refeeding um, of the patient. So you'll receive a meal plan, and you're responsible for all the grocery shopping, cooking, and portioning of meals. Now, keep in mind, this is going to be very threatening to your child who has an eating disorder, because most likely if they've been starving, they've had unusual eating habits, and they've been absolutely obsessed with um, purchasing the groceries or manipulating recipes or even cooking on their own. We see the parents as similar to the dietitian, where you provide sympathy and understanding, but you're verbally persistent with non-emotional statements, such as you need to fuel your brain starvation is not an option. Really what you're focusing on is really trying to have those non-emotional statements that are um, assisting to separate the eating disorder from the child or externalizing that eating disorder. So it's absolutely okay to provide that love and sympathy. You know, I know that your eating disorder doesn't want you to eat right now and you need to fuel your brain. As a parent, you also make a commitment to treat your child with an eating disorder exactly like siblings when it comes to mealtime and you remove any responsibility that may be considered parental, regardless if they already and currently do the cooking and the shopping, et cetera. Again, we are trying to um, challenge those negative habits because the more that they pursue with those habits, the stronger the eating disorder and that control becomes. The parent will work very hard to separate the eating disorder from the patient, understanding that they are not to blame for eating disorder symptoms, that the symptoms are out of the patient's control and it's secondary to another illness. So for example, just as we just talked about before, I know your eating disorder is anxious about this and I hate that you can't control it. Fueling your brain will help your mood. I'll sit here so we can talk while you finish your meal. And just think about that. You're, you're moving more towards that dolphin with, you know, acceptance, love, and sympathy. And I'll sit with you um, to help kind of guide you and nudge you while you finish this meal. Some of the things that I, the feedback that I get from a lot of parents is that this is a very kind of rocky experience. And I wish that I could say that wasn't the case, but I will validate that it is. Um, it's, it's very, very hard because when you take this role on, you are um, taking that control away from the eating disorder and the eating disorder mind absolutely hates that. So it's, it's very normal to have lots of emotional outbursts, um, crying, 
uh, screaming uh, and things like that. And although you may feel like you wanna walk on eggshells to prevent that, you are better off um, being assertive, providing love and support and being strong in this way because it's going to lead to appropriate fueling. And once the brain is appropriately fueled, you'll see changes in cognition. And when we see changes in cognition, this is when on the dietitian and therapy side, we can see that the particular person recognizes how much they were starving, how negatively they felt. Um, and then they're able to utilize a lot of those tools that they're learning in therapy a little bit more. So it's very, very important to go ahead and do this. I always tell the families that I work with that if we can persist with this for about two to three weeks, we see significant changes. And when parents are in the meeting with me and they first hear this, uh, I think they're kind of questioning that, but I have yet to, um, to have somebody tell me that it's taken longer, at least if they're in this, you know, if they haven't lost too much weight and they're not too clinically frail. So if you can kind of put your sight on the prize that, you know, we're going to do this for two to three weeks, reassess, um, and kind of, um, be thoughtful about that. It will allow you to hopefully, um, be able to be strong enough to kind of persist. The more that you allow for the emotional outbursts to, um, to allow the family to kind of not be assertive or um, not be consistent, uh, the more risk you are of not being able to move forward with eating disorder treatment. So usually weight restoration can take um, a while. It depends on how much weight was lost. It depends on um, what their metabolism is look like. It depends on how they're eating. It's a little bit of a slower process in the outpatient world just because we have to make sure that it's safe. Um, and so you will work directly with your dietitian to get information about changes to the meal plan or get ideas on maybe food exposures or food challenges for fear foods and things like that. But as you move through the weight restoration, as you get closer to weight restoration, you may get guidance from your dietitian that um, it's re you're ready to start the kind of second phase of the Mosley method, which is returning control to the child. So this really occurs once weight restoration is nearer complete. Um, and when the general mood of the family at mealtime is more relaxed, the patient appears to be more confident with nutrition. Um, again, this is directed by the dietitian and the therapist, and the patient may start portioning out their own food with guidance from parents. They may assist with cooking meals, or they may start to eat snacks at a friend's house with a form of accountability and things from there. So it's really kind of working on providing um, pretty, uh, providing goals of how to become more independent, um, and then also having a layer of accountability. So we want to be careful here that we don't, um, send a message that we don't trust the individual. Um, we just want to normalize that accountability is putting in place for, from a safety perspective. And as you move through this um, stage of, of uh, the Maudsley, you really get a good idea on what 
um, the person is really comfortable with, what they challenge, what's challenging, what's an obstacle. And this information is always great information for both the dietitian and the therapist so that they can provide um, uh, education, uh, goals, and things like that to get to more of a, a normal intake. And finally, the third part is really establishing, helping to establish a healthy adolescent identity. So, you know, my usually at this time, you're seeing the dietitian less frequently um, and, and most probably seeing the therapist uh, consistently. This usually occurs when the patients maintain about 95% of weight restoration and parents are gonna support the therapy work surrounding body uh, positivity or body neutrality. Boundaries are created with the family and the patient regarding discussions, assessments, and things like that, and reorganization of life occurs. So obviously I'm speaking to this fairly quickly and make it seem a lot easier than it is. And in this part of the support group, we usually have lots of questions and answers. So, Obviously I've talked through this quickly and make it seem a little bit easier than it is. I will tell you that there's definitely needs to be a commitment to change and the commitment to change needs to be from both parents. The biggest obstacles I see is if one parent is forced to do this on their own or not getting support from the other parent, it opens an opportunity for the eating disorder brain to split both parents and can cause lots and lots of tension in the family. Also, really kind of being assertive and being able to provide that love and sympathy, but not allowing the child with the eating disorder to manipulate the situation is very nerve wracking. And I know it's scary on the parent side for someone to, to say that they're not going to eat or they're just going to purge or whatever the threat is. But Keep in mind that if you are working with a team at this point, a therapist, a physician, and a dietitian, there's natural consequences for all of those things. And it's better for you as a parent to provide love and support and to move those decisions and conversations to the provider. That's their specialty. They're trained to have the discussion. If you as a parent decide that you want to play provider, and talk about negative consequences for not in eating food or trying to dictate when to use tools. It gets very, very muddy and it can potentially decrease the strength of the message that your child is getting from their providers. So some recommendations for the Mosley method that I really try to focus on and get families to, to work through is uh, potentially making menus together. So, you know, the, the least amount of surprises, the better for the eating disorder mind. So I'm not opposed to families having some sort of organization to what um, meals are going to look like for the week. And again, if you don't have that surprise, we tend to see less anxiety. I don't necessarily think that the menu has to be posted for the entire week, but I am in favor of maybe the morning of every day kind of posting or having the menus um, discussed or the meal discussed so that um, the person knows what to expect. I am a, in big favor of family meals. 
and I'm in big favor for this, not only for someone who has uh, somebody suffering from an eating disorder, but I strongly believe that everybody should be doing family meals. And there should be planned focuses at mealtime that are not ED driven. So you can get ideas about this from your therapist or your dietitian. But I usually suggest as parents or a parent going into the meal with an idea of what your focus is going to be. So whether it's a discussion, a game or anything, that's what you really want to focus on. I do think it's important to have an expectation of time spent on the meal. So we can often see with eating disorder patients that they will take a very long time to eat. And I am in favor of keeping the meal expectation to 30 to 45 minutes. Plan an activity after the meal. So clean up or dishwashing. Finally, avoidance of bathroom after meal time. So having a plan of something to do after meal time as well. Again, this seems extremely laborious, but at the same time, the more consistent you are with this, the more likely you are to reach goals of eating disorder treatments. We want the parents to be part of our team, not an obstacle to treatment. One of the things that I recommend a lot from the dietitian perspective is because this is so labor intensive and because I also am a mom who owns a company, has multiple children, volunteers a lot, and has very little time this can be the, the brink of the threshold that gets you very, very overwhelmed. So it's very important as a parent to have support as well. So whether that looks like having a therapist of your own or a family therapist, or even having planned events with friends, um, it is very, very important to not neglect yourself and to make sure that you have the support that you need. So Short and sweet, this is an idea about how to um, integrate the Mosley method. If you are a parent with kindred nutrition and wellness, your homework assignment will be to um, jot down three ways you feel like you can integrate this in your household and put the date, the commitment date of when you're going to start this. And we hope to see you next time for part three of our parent series. I hope you enjoyed this discussion point. Although it was very quick, now we need to take the time to put things into motion. So if you are a member of the Kindred community, your assignment, or what I'd like you to work on from now until the next time you see one of your providers, is to outline how you are going to integrate the Maudsley Method with your partner to provide love and support and accountability for your child. We look forward to meeting with you next time for part three of our parent series. Thanks so much.